Look to the person next to you and say, there is power in words. Come on, say it like you know it. There is power in words. You could have your seats. Just allow me really, really quickly. I have something here I want to I wanna share with you. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just say it word for word as is. So you, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of preach, read this morning. Uh, but I want as you listen to what I have to say, if something resonates with you, feel it, you know, just, it, it's okay to say amen. If, if something resonates with you, it's okay, it's okay to say amen. It's okay to say yes, sir. It's okay to just show affirmation. It's okay. So I, I just want to start by saying that there is power in words. Uh, God proves this from the very beginning of time through the writings of Moses when, when Moses put pen to paper by inspiration of the Spirit and he penned these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters and as Moses gets to verse number three, he, he utters the words or he pens the word, then God said... And when God spoke, that which was not there came into being. And, and God said, let there be light. Moses uh, started off by trying to help the Israelites and by extension us to recognize that words have power. Over and over again, the authors of scripture inspired, I have to put that in there, inspired by the Holy Spirit would express the importance of listening to the word, of following the word, of submitting to the word, of adhering to the word, and of course, living by the word. Uh, not only did they talk about listening or following or submitting or adhering or living, but they wanted us to be assured that the only way those things could even begin to happen is if an individual knew the word. You, you can't follow something you don't know. You can't adhere to something you don't know. You can't live by something, church. Are you there with me? If you don't know it. Joshua would be known, would be made known of this truth when Yahweh himself came to him in, in preparation time for Joshua leading the people. And, uh, and as, in as much as God would tell Joshua, I want you to be strong and I want you to have good courage, God would also be mindful to tell Joshua, I need for you to observe and do not deviate from the word. Joshua chapter 1 verses 7 and 8 would sound like this. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all uh, that is in the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate in it day and night. Uh, you, you, you shall simulate in your heart and mind the very word that you know, the very script that you read, the very commands of God. You, you shall meditate on it every single minute of, of every single day. My grandmother used to tell me you would have a hard time sinning when the word is in you. You would have a hard time sinning when you're singing spiritual hymns. I don't know of anybody that sins willfully while singing, I love Jesus. 
And so you would have a hard time, the devil would have a hard time taking control of our hearts if the word is meditated on both day and night. If we're, if we're honest with ourselves, we would testify to the fact that oftentimes when we find ourselves walking contrary is when we find ourselves forgetting the word of God. But I want to say to us that words do have power. In fact, the writer of the epistles, James, uh, like many of the proverbial writers, tried to express the power of the untamable tongue when he writes this in James chapter number three. As human beings, we know that words have power. We even hear the statement or the phrase being made over and over and over. There is power in this tongue. Uh, if you speak life into something, life will, will come from that, from that thing. If you speak positivity, positivity will come. Likewise, if you speak cursings or negativity, negativity will come as well. That's why as, as parents, we have to be careful what we say to our kids over and over and over and over and over again. You teach a child their name by calling them by name. Whereas a child receives the identity by the things that he or she hears spoken into them. So if you call a child some ghastly thing, if you call a child, we have some kids here, if you call a child idiot, and all the child hears you calling them idiot, they grow up thinking that their name is idiot. If you refer to a child as by gender, hey boy, hey boy, hey girl, hey girl, when that child goes to school and a teacher asks the child, what's your name? My name is boy or my name, you get in this is girl. I'm just saying whatever you speak into a child, that is what will ultimately help that child develop its identity. Because words have power. There is power in the tongue. There are three distinctions in scripture that, 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 that God wants us to see as opposed to uh, what we might often read. It says, number one, words of men have power. Number two, the words of Satan have power. And number three, more importantly, the word of God has all power. We have to be careful of which words we're actually adhering or listening to because the words of men, as much as they have power, they falter. We have to be careful because oftentimes the words of Satan, though it has power, it is not sure. But rest assured in the fact that the word of God is all powerful. I, I wish I had 10 people to say amen to that because if we understand that words have power, we need to appreciate that we need to pay attention who or what we're listening to. That, that, that's why church is so important and I'm not trying to beat any genre of music. I love all genres of music. If you catch me on a good day when I'm in the gym uh, and you listen to my, my, the music I'm listening to, you might, you, it, might, it might shock you because I listen to, to rap, I listen to rock, I, I, I try to find clean rap. Let me just put it to you that way. But music, words have the capacity to move you, to inspire you. There is a reason why when you're in love, you don't listen to hate music, you listen to love ballads. There's a reason why when you're down, you, you try to listen to uplifting music. There's a reason why you listen to the type of music that you listen to. 
But I want to encourage you because oftentimes if we're not careful, even though we might be attracted to certain genres or certain types of music, be careful because the beats oftentimes delude us and blind us to recognizing what the lyrics might be saying. Uh, so as a young boy, I, I would fall prey to this lance where I would be, I would be bobbing and weaving and, and dancing to certain songs because I'm following the beat. And only as I got old, I recognized what the words of the song really were. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you what some of these words were. But the point I'm trying to make is that words have power. Be careful where you place your attention and who you receive these words from. To drive this point home, God would, would instruct his servant and, and John, the, the, the writer, would write for us this, this, this well-known scripture in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He, not it any longer, but he was in the beginning with God. All things were, were made through him and without him was not anything that was made, made. John goes on to verse number 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth what are you doing john what are you doing god i'm trying to help you to see that while words have power i need for you to translate just something that is spoken to something that is living because the word is no longer an it the word became a he so it's not a matter of, well, words have power. Yes, that's true. But I want you to follow with me because the word was incarnated in flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the father. You know who that is? That's Jesus. In other words, if I'm following what the scripture is trying to help me to see, if the words of man have power but they falter, if the words of Satan has power and it is not sure, and I'm supposed to be here adhering to the word of God, ultimately what scripture is having me to recognize is I'm supposed to be adhering to Jesus Christ. I, I don't know if you're getting this, so let me, let me show you this really quickly. At his baptism, we were told, hear ye him. At his transfiguration, we were told, hear ye him. Presently, scripture tells us, hear ye him. And believe me, when he returns or at the day of judgment, the question will be asked, did you hear him? Words have power, but the question remains, who are we? listening to church i want to bring this to a quick close and i i just want to share two texts with us and i, I know i've been sharing texts all along but i want to share two particular texts with us and ronnie martin alluded to one of them this morning in the book of mark chapter number 10 verses 13 through 16 uh, if you give me three minutes i'll be i'll, I'll try to be done in three minutes in, in mark chapter number 10 verses 13 through 16 i'm flying through this here is what it reads then they brought little children say little children Come on, say it like you're there with me. Little children. Then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, 
Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. The first thing I want us to see from this particular text is Jesus says, don't stop them from coming. If I, if I had to put it a different way for the purpose of the sermon, it would, I would put it this way, keep them coming. Look at the person next to you and say, keep them coming. Keep them coming. Uh, uh, that, that's, that's an interesting phrase. To, uh, I was mindful of the phrase, keep them coming, because if, if you go to a bar and somebody sits there at the bar uh, and they are talking to the bartender, usually there will be a glass in front of them. And when they drink that glass or they would, they would say to the bartender, keep it. Come on, are you there with me? Keep it coming. That simply means as soon as you see my glass empty, you start pouring. And when you see my glass empty, you start pouring. And when you see my glass empty, you start pouring. Keep it coming. Jesus is saying to these disciples, keep them coming. Let them come when they're one year old, one day old, five days old. Let them come when they're five and ten and fifteen. Keep them coming. Let, let generation X and generation Z, let generation Y or whatever generation, keep them coming. Let the grandkids, let your kids, let adoptive kids, let kids on the street, keep them coming. Why is that? Because if words have power, then I have something that they could receive transformation. I have something that they could receive training. I have something that they could receive life and have it more abundantly. So God says, Jesus says, the word says, keep it. Keep them coming. But there's one more text I want us to see if you don't mind. And this brief exhortation will be yours in the book of 1 John chapter number 4. If you have a copy of your word with you, 1 John chapter number 4, reading from verses 1 through verse number 6. I want this to settle into your psyche because oftentimes I want us to see this as an intergenerational type of thing. While the approach is to keep the kids coming, I want us to see who Jesus, who God identifies even as kids as well. Repeat one more time with me. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Watch this. If you are there in 1 John chapter number 4 verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. That, that, I, I could put that a different way. Every personal spirit that says Jesus is not Lord is not of God. But every personal spirit that confesses Jesus is Lord is of God. But notice what the writer goes on to say. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and now already is in the world. You are of God. If you're in verse number four, it should read, you are of God. Who? Little children. You would think he's only talking to those who could barely pull their pants up. And that might be true when he's referring to the disciples and telling them, let the children come unto me. But I need for you to see that adults as well are deemed little children in the sight of Almighty God. 
So keep them coming refers to not just these babies and not just these newborns or not just these kids. Keep them coming refers to every human being on the face of the earth. Keep them, come on with me, keep them coming. So if words have power and we recognize that it's the word of God truly through the person of Jesus Christ that you and I have to adhere or listen or live to, we have to come to know Jesus as the word. We have to come to know Jesus as the truth. We have to come to know Jesus as the life because if we have to be pleasing in the sight of God, we can't help but do that but through the person of Jesus Christ. Let me end with this last text. Come on, Thomas. This, this, is, yours. this is your time now. Finish yourself. Let me, let me end with this text with you. In the book of John chapter number 6, a multitude was following Jesus, and Jesus had some pretty difficult things for them to, 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 to understand and to grapple with. And, uh, and as the multitude left, the disciples now, the, 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 the 12, they looked at Jesus. The closest of the disciples looked to Jesus, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus looks at them and he says to them, will you also leave me? And Peter responds, this is all in John chapter number 6, and Peter responds, Lord, to whom or where shall we go? For you, O God, have. He could have easily say, said, you, O God, are. But he says, you, Jesus, have the words of life. You want to know why the invitation is still open to keep them coming? Because Jesus is alive. You want to know why it's so important for children to keep coming to Jesus because Jesus is the way. You want to know why it's so important for us to be sharing this gospel with a lost and dying world, with people who are in depression, with people who are frustrated, with people who have no hope, with people who are lost because Jesus still very much is, has been, and will always be the answer. Would you stand with me and help me preach this word one more time? Keep them coming.